Who are we canceling today? How about Ben Shapiro? It's about time. Is this the, is this the first time we've canceled him? I believe so. I think Jeez. this is the first time that we've canceled the tour. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell? What took us so long? I mean, I feel I feel like it's low hanging fruit, and also he has a brigade of gremlins who go after people online. So yeah, this is true. Hey everyone, I'm Caitlin Burns, and I'm Olive Rash Klein. And you're listening to Cancel Me Daddy. The show where we take a closer look at all of the panic ground cancel culture. With thoughtful analysis. And verbal shitposting. So, Caitlin, how are you doing? I'm a little bit on the struggle bus today, I'm not gonna lie. What What's going on? Well... A couple of days ago, I had to throw my coffee maker away, and I'm really sad about it. Wait, wait, how are you getting your caffeine? <laughs> well, today I have a latte from Starbucks, but <laughs> my new coffee maker won't get here for like two weeks, <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to make it. So, so what, what, what was the issue with the, the coffee maker? Did it break? Did it, like, what's going on? I think I mentioned I had a bug problem I don't know if I mentioned it on the show before, but I've definitely mentioned it on Twitter. But at my old place, I had a bug problem that was sort of the beginning of the end of me living there because it got too out of control to deal with. But I moved into my new place and I started seeing these bugs again Um, and it was really disgusting. And they're in my kitchen and I determined that they were living inside my coffee maker Ah, how disgusting uh, is that oh yeah you needed to check that shit out oh yeah no it was like middle of the night like i think it was like 11 o'clock at night when i like finally like had enough because like i had seen a few and i'd killed them and i was like okay maybe that took care of the problem and then like two weeks went by and then i saw like three or four more on the same night and that night i was just like fuck this this is going out and I just took it right out and like threw it in the garbage. Well, I'm glad that you found the source that I hope they are gone forever. Me too. I haven't, I've saw one bug since then, so they might still be around, but you know, when you threw out the coffee maker, there might've been like one or two stray ones. Right. Exactly. That's what I'm hoping for. Like if you see another one, I would get the like bait where they like take it back to the nest. Yeah. I tried that in my last apartment and then I had a exterminator come in later. He actually said that those bait things are really bad. Bad in what way? Uh, they end up attracting more of the bugs that you're trying to get rid of, and they end up taking over the bait, like, little container thing and turn it into their house. The fuck? Yeah. The fuck? How are we supposed to get rid of roaches? He's like, you need to rotate them out, like, way more often than the package says. Otherwise, like, the bait loses its effectiveness, like, this poison loses its effectiveness. And it just is... The roach food. 
Okay. Um, well, for those of you who don't like bugs, I'm sorry we've been talking about roaches for so long, but hopefully this has been helpful information for you to keep roaches out of your apartment slash house slash wherever you live. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> What a disgusting opener. <laughs> okay, so moving on. So today on the show, we are going to be diving into a unfortunately timeless debate that I think has a very easy answer, but it is what it is, um, and is who, who should be kind of allowed in different spaces and professional spaces. Uh, namely, should fascists be allowed at conferences? <laughs> the answer is no, but you know, for some reason, that's controversial. And so we're going to get into that in just a minute. Um, but before we have our obligatory uh, give us money thing. And so just want to let y'all what I didn't. How do I'm so obligatory, 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 obligatory. I, I can't say words. Um, <laughs> obligatory. Yeah. This is why I'm the verbal shit poster and not the smart one, because, yeah, mm -mm. yeah, always, always so uncomfortable to ask for money. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, so basically we want to make our show a weekly show and bring you these conversations about cancel culture and the grift economy and kind of these larger questions. Um, and if everyone who listens just gives one dollar, we could actually do that. Um, so we have a $1 tier and a $3 tier and we um, that are just like tips. And then if you um, give $5, you can submit for out-of-context cancellations, are one of my favorite segments at the end of the show. And there are a lot of other rewards. Yeah, you can find that and other perks at patreon.com slash cancelmedaddy. Okay, let's get to the show. So I am really excited to have Will Williams on the show today. They are a podcast creator, showrunner, sound designer, writer, editor, producer, and critic. They're also one of the co-founders of Hug House Productions, which focuses on spotlighting marginalized stories and artists with a focus on queerness. Will is one of the co-creators of Valance, which is an urban fantasy audio drama that deals with themes of abuse, trauma, queer identity, marginalization, rebellion, found family, breaking cycles, and hope. Uh, well, I'm really excited to talk to you today. We've been internet friends for a minute, but I don't think we've ever spoken outside of text form before. Yeah, we haven't. This is so lovely, and I am such a huge fan of the show. I am honored to be here. I was listening to last week's episode being like, yeah, yeah, not knowing uh, what the week had in store for me. <laughs> uh, that conversation sure became relevant consistently <laughs> Ooh, yeah i wish we had you on for a better reason but i guess our podcast is about everything being terrible so that's, yeah. that's kind of bullshit um but i'm sorry that things are bad we don't call people when good stuff happens <laughs> that's fair it's, it's important to talk about this uh bad awful shit so yeah so let's let's get into what happened at the podcast movement event i understand that ben shapiro himself showed up he sure did. Um, but that is not where the bullshittery of the week uh, started, I should say. I mean, really, the first thing that set me off was that there was no uh, mask policy at all. No mask huh. policy, no vax policy. This took place in Texas. And as an Arizonian, I am hesitant to like put blame on Texas being quote unquote bad. We all know about like 
how gerrymandering works, I hope. And the fact that, like, you know, Texas has a very diverse population um, and shouldn't be written off. But the mask policy uh, already, I was like, okay, there's two pandemics. That's interesting to say the least. So then I arrived there, and the first thing you saw when you were when you walked onto the convention floor was a massive, glossy booth from the Daily Wire. And to be even more specific, you walk in, you take a left. You have to take a left to get to the escalators, which go to the other floors, which has the shit on them. Uh, you take a left, and looking right at you is a poster of Matt Walsh himself. You keep going towards the escalators. Then you see on the booth the posters of Jordan Peterson, of Candace Owens, and of uh, the twerp himself, Ben Shapiro. Yeah, and I was looking at pictures of this booth on Twitter, and it's not like it's not just like a table at a conference. No. It's like actually like this huge built-out recording booth. It is. They had a popcorn machine, like it was like a whole production. Um, so already, I was pretty upset. Like I. I have worked with Podcast Movement in the past. My colleague and I, uh, Ellie Elena Fernandez-Collins, curated the inaugural audio fiction track back in 2019. And Ellie was hired to uh, work with accessibility and awareness for things like pronouns. Ellie is the reason Podcast Movement has pins for your pronouns that you can wear on your lanyard with your badge so you don't get misgendered the whole time. I had just gotten my badge and my pronoun pin the day before, felt very good. And then here's this here's this uh, booth, first thing you walk in. Yeah, you can't miss it. My understanding is if you're attending the conference, it's like one of the first things you see. That is correct. Uh, it's It's literally the first booth when you walk into the conference floor. And for our listeners who are not in the podcast world, can you give a sense of the size of this conference, how big this is in the podcast world, its its impact, things like that? Yes. Podcasting conferences are few and far between, and they're even fewer and further between if you eliminate the radio and broadcast first conferences like Third Coast. Mm -hmm. So. Podcast Movement is the largest conference for podcasters in the world. They have been going strong since, uh, I don't know, like at least 2014. They have two conferences a year. They have Podcast Movement proper, which is the, the big conference. And then they have Evolutions, which are more granular, uh, nitty gritty conferences that are held about six months in between the annual podcast mm. movement conference. We're talking tens of thousands of people. We have had keynotes from people like Terry Gross. This year we had Audie Cornish. Uh, we had Dr. Sanjay Gupta. These are huge figures in audio, people who are integral to the landscape of journalism, people who are integral to the landscape of entertainment. Disney Audio had a booth. Uh, iHeartMedia had a booth. And these, again, are huge productions. iHeartMedia had free coffee and iced tea that they were doing. Um, we've had huge exhibitions. We've had huge keynote speakers. This is the conference to go to if you are a professional in podcasting. So they they allowed this Daily Wire booth to come and they kind of said, oh, well, we haven't let anyone from there speak at the conferences before. 
And so they just have a booth. It's not that big of a deal or that was kind of their thinking going in. And I'm wondering, you know, to me that that seems like bullshit. Um, But I'm wondering what your thoughts around all of that, like going in without, you know, the big bads showing up, just like uh, the Daily Wire even being there, kind of your thoughts around that. Yeah, I I was told by one of the people who runs Podcast Movement that they have been rejecting the Daily Wire for five years. The reason they said that they accepted them this year was because of how large they have grown and how important they are in the podcasting space. To which I say, and that's a good thing. It's a it's a good thing that they're this big in the podcasting yeah. space. This is something that we want to encourage. Um, it seemed completely contradictory to me, given podcast movement has had a platform of being inclusive, accepting, and welcoming. Now they are using the size of the Daily Wire as an excuse to allow them to give them money, really, at the end of the day. That's what it was about. Uh, and then they're saying, like, let's let's give them even more of a foothold in the space. Let's legitimize them even further by allowing them presence here. Yeah, I mean, as someone in in the podcasting industry... I was really disappointed and and disturbed to hear that they were there because I think that like, especially given the space that they are occupying right now and the ways that creeping fascism is coming into um, our country, uh, and I'm I'm not sure it's it's so creeping anymore. I think it's pretty uh, blatant, but especially mm-hmm. all of the anti-trans legislation. I mean, this is an outlet that is spreading misinformation and hate. And to me, podcast movement letting them in is, is podcast movement saying like, we're okay with this fascism. We're okay with this hate. Exactly. Being given a pronoun pin and then seeing we're okay platforming this outlet that is funding and supporting legislature that wants to kill you. You don't get to have it both. And the impact of one substantially outweighs the impact of the other. Uh, It's very clear that podcast movement either doesn't understand the weight of the Daily Wire or doesn't care. And personally, in 2022, as you said, with the onslaught of constant anti-trans legislature happening left and right, it is impossible at this point to simply be ignorant. At this point, it is an opt out. You are opting out from caring um, and you are opting into platforming literal fascism. As a, a trans journalist, like I've I've covered events that the Daily Wire also had a booth at. Uh, what was it? CPAC, I think they were mm-hmm. at uh, mm-hmm. when I was there. I remember Ben Shapiro was there. I almost tripped over him. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I don't know that in 2022 I would feel safe attending like a podcast event as a trans person with those people there because uh, Matt Walsh just released a documentary that is not very kind to trans people to say the least. Well, that is a (laughs) soft way to put it. Oh, it is extremely soft. Listen, listen, Matt Walsh's people contacted my editor uh, for a piece that I wrote last week. So I'm I'm treading a little carefully uh, because my free speech has been suppressed. So uh, (laughs) I don't know that I would feel safe. I mean, these people, sometimes they have camera crews with them or they have GoPros or and that's just the well-known people like 
When you start inviting these right wingers into your spaces, they all show up with cameras trying to get a reaction so they can go viral. And it's just a generally unsafe environment, not just for trans people, but for anybody who's marginalized. So I think there is a real risk to just inviting them in. It's like the Nazi bar uh, story that occasionally goes viral again on Twitter um, where if you if you invite one in, then sooner rather than later, your entire space is taken up with Nazis. So like, I don't know that I had a question mixed into this, but like, how did it all make you feel while you were there? I didn't feel unsafe, not because the space was unsafe, but because I don't read as trans to a lot of people. I know that if there is going to be violence incited, which I did think to some degree was a possibility. I'm not going to be the target. I I pass as cis. I read as girl, um, which is its own can of worms, to be clear. But I think that it's a, a very important difference between being somebody who's immediately going to be targeted by violence, which is part of why I, I spoke up the way that I did and as urgently as I did. On top of that, because I've worked with podcast movement in the past, they know who I am. They know that I have sway in the very specific niche I have carved out for myself. Thinking back to uh, a conversation y'all had on a previous episode about your relative power in smaller spaces on Twitter. I only have like 5,000 followers on Twitter. I would say that I'm like mid-small, but in the podcasting industry and especially in like queer podcasters, fiction podcasters, I am one of the people with a, a good amount of sway. I'm somebody who is consistently listened to. I knew that I could leverage that for people who felt even less safe. But when Ben Shapiro showed up, I felt substantially less safe. Not because I thought Ben Shapiro was going to throw down. I would win. Um, but because <laughs> he was allowed in easily with no badge. He was not invited. He didn't pay to attend. He didn't speak at the conference. He was allowed in with no badge, which meant the people working the conference and usually I am very, very, very here in support of the staff of conferences. They let him in. They they saw Ben Shapiro. They saw no badge. And they thought, yeah, that's chill. Let him in. Welcome him in. Which meant, of course, the next step would be those of us who were uh, made to feel unsafe would tweet about it because we wanted answers from podcast movement and we wanted to alert other trans attendees, other marginalized attendees that Ben Shapiro was here which would then lead to Ben Shapiro's followers harassing us online. Mm -hmm. And then if we're catastrophizing here, which I think is a little bit earned, given the state of the world, mm -hmm. uh, if Ben Shapiro's fans and followers are harassing us, how many of them live in Texas? How many of them could get into the event without a badge? How many of them would know who we are based on our tweets and then come looking for us. And again, going back to uh, your conversation about if words are violence, that creates a space that is allowing violence in. And the combination of that and the very lax security who clearly 
were chill with literally Ben Shapiro coming in, who else are they going to let in? You know, one thing that I've been because I've been doing a lot of thinking since since I saw this, because, you know, I think a lot about what's going on in the podcast community and just kind of, of I think a lot about who should be allowed and what kind of spaces and how, like that. That's just something that I've done just a lot, a lot of thinking about. And one thing that like, at least for me, is that like Ben Shapiro showing up was bad and it did make the space significantly less safe. But him showing up was just a symptom of a larger problem that the Daily Wire was allowed in at all. Absolutely. Podcast movement knew that they were letting in the Daily Wire. They knew the kind of people that they were inviting in and taking money from and saying are welcome, are absolutely welcome in this space. And so their apology that that's just about, oh, Ben Shapiro showed up. Oops, we should have thought it. It's, it's, it's such PR bullshit to me. It's so hollow and empty. It's not looking and considering like the larger implications and it's not taking responsibility for the ways that they fucked up. Absolutely. And going back to Caitlin's point about these people showing up with cameras, in response to the apology tweets, the Daily Wire put out uh, a video that they, you know, they had collected from the conference where people, you know, were saying like, oh, we're sorry that we made you feel unsafe. Podcast movement is saying this. So then they make a video of Ben Shapiro looking cute and sweet in his little suit, uh, shaking hands with people, people taking pictures of him looking all bright and sunny and cheery to show like people who are saying they feel unsafe are insert, insert hate speech here. You know, um, it was completely manufactured uh, for this purpose. And podcast movement knew what they were doing to the point where let's talk about Jared Easley. Jared Easley is the head of community and content at podcast movement. I have worked with Jared Easley a little bit after the apology was released. um, Jared Easley was responding to people saying that the apology was uh, fascist or censorship or cancel culture, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Jared Easley was responding to these tweets uh, by saying, you are right. You are right. Uh, Obviously, we took screenshots of this. They were, of course, deleted. Mm -hmm. But after I released my piece on, on Podcast Movement, I was emailed by somebody who was working at a table and overheard Jared Easley saying, I don't know who issued that apology. It's so ridiculous. We never should have said anything. The Daily Wire is fine. They should be here. And again, Jared Easley is the head of community and content. And he is the person saying, actually, the Daily Wire did nothing wrong. They're fine. You know, I strongly feel that employees don't need to always stand behind the things that their organization says. But considering that he is promoting people who are fascist, anti-trans hate, bigoted being at the event, um, I think, yeah, we can we can criticize him. And I, I understand that you have suggested that he should no longer be at podcast movement. I'm not I'm not sure what language you would use. Have, would you say called for his resignation? Would that be too strong? Um, no. I would say it's not strong enough. My policy is, fuck this guy. I can't believe he still has a job. Are we fucking serious? Fire him. Obviously. I am the kind of person where 99% of the time, I don't fuck with people's employment. I don't fuck with people's job. 
part of my job as like somebody in the podcasting space, because I've been a, a critic of podcasts before, I've been a journalist mm-hmm. covering podcasts before, I cover podcasts by people I absolutely hate if they're good podcasts. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I, I like to separate those things. I don't mess with people's money. I don't mess with their livelihood, especially if they have families to support, et cetera, et cetera. This fucking guy? Nah. Uh, he's he's that 1%. <laughs> fire him. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask uh, a question. I'm pretty sure I already know how you're going to answer. But um, <laughs> do you think that the apology that was put out by Podcast Movement was uh, a form of cancellation or cancel culture? <laughs> no, I do not. Uh, no, I do not. No, I do not. Uh, I, I am a, a big believer that cancel culture as a term has been rendered more or less meaningless by its oversaturation. It's one of these words where it used to mean one thing and now it means whatever somebody can say that it means. I am very much of the belief that when we talk about cancel culture, we should actually talk about what we mean and not use the word as a shorthand. We should say words like a measure of accountability or a measure of apology or ramifications for your actions. Uh, I don't believe that this was, uh, <laughs> I don't believe that this was contributing to cancel culture, uh, a factor of cancel culture, an asset of cancel culture, etc. I mean, you didn't literally cancel Ben Shapiro. It, you know, it's so wild. Wow, it turns wow. out he still has a career. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I think what's important here is that the people who were actually harmed are the people who called out Ben Shapiro, obviously. If we're going to talk about cancel culture, if mm-hmm. we're going to talk about actual, tangible, direct consequences for speaking out in a way that is disproportional to what was actually done that would fall on people like myself and especially tal uh whose last name i'm not gonna say here whose twitter handle i'm not gonna say here Mm -hmm. they have spoken out about this they have published a medium post Mm -hmm. but they have gotten the amount of hate that i have gotten from ben shapiro's followers which has been substantial and horrifying Mm -hmm. tal has gotten 10 times the amount tal was the first person to tweet about Ben Shapiro's appearance. I I did a retweet of Tal, a quote retweet. Everything that I said, uh, Tal had already said before. Tal is an easier target than I am. And Tal also does not have quite the Twitter following that I have. Also notably, I, I think this is important to bring up, both Tal and I are currently crowdfunding the next seasons of our podcasts. Mm-hmm. These podcasts have been found by the alt-right mob and have been review bombed. And both Tal Ugh. and I had to go on private on Twitter while also trying to promote our crowdfunding to make our art. So mm-hmm. we both got hit in finances there. Our finances were directly impacted. You know whose wasn't? Ben Shapiro's. So you were canceled. His probably has went up. Oh, certainly. Oh, well, yeah, because he's on the grift. I mean, this right. is the way it goes. They claim to be a victim to justify an attack that does the thing that they're complaining about, and then they profit from it. Um, yep. I mean, this is this is not a new story for this show, for sure. <laughs> it's a tale as old as time. Yeah. I literally knew from the second I saw the booth exactly how this would all play out because it is so 
common. Mm -hmm. It is the same tactic over and over and over again. It's, it's fascists calling other people fascists Mm -hmm. and convincing people that they're right. One thing that I saw that I, I should have anticipated, but I didn't was the frequency with which Ben Shapiro's fans called people speaking out about his presence anti-Semitic. This was something that was thrown constantly at mm-hmm. anybody speaking out against Ben Shapiro is, wow, you should really take a look at yourself and see how you are reacting to the presence of a Jewish man. And importantly, that messaging uh, was given to several people who are themselves Jewish. It's It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all an act. It's all things that they have practiced. The practice also is an important factor. Yeah. I mean, it's the identity politics that they claim to hate that they turn around exactly. and do. And I, I'm convinced that it's tr- trolling and they don't really mean it. Um, oh, certainly. Like, Oh, no. As, as many times as I have been called anti-Semitic on Twitter, I have also been the recipient of anti-Semitic slurs on Twitter. It's whatever fits their narrative. It's whatever sounds best to them, whatever works best to them. And that's that's part of it, is these people have training in how to launch this hate, in how yeah. to structure their harassment to be more bulletproof. And I would say most of us who are further on the left, most of us who are marginalized, we don't have the resources to train ourselves on how to respond to that, both because most of us have like better things or more pressing things to do with our time. Um, and also because I think to live in a world that is so focused on oppressing you, so focused on making you struggle for the barest of rights, to have to think about that constantly, to have to subject yourself to media training in case video is taken of you, to have to subject yourself to training on what happens when you're doxxed, which is training I've done through the Trans Journalist Association. I have done trainings on self-doxing because I knew this would happen. Mm-hmm. Having to subject yourself to those trainings in a world that is already structured against you, that is trying to fight against you, it's too much. It is demoralizing. Mm-hmm. It is dehumanizing. It is so hard to hold faith that one day the world will approve of who you are it's exhausting. And that's the point. I, I think often about uh, the phrase, the cruelty is the point. Disclosure, mm. I haven't read the book yet, do need to, but the cruelty is the point here. Dehumanizing us, demoralizing us is the point here. You know, whether or not, you know, Ben Shapiro showed up, that would have been part of what was going on, part of the end result of a Daily Wire, whether it was mm-hmm. immediate at, and, you know, this conference or kind of an ongoing buildup. And so, like, I would really like to see a lot of changes at podcast movement. You know, I think that as as the biggest podcast conference, podcast movement has a huge responsibility to do better. They could do really good stuff. They could be leaders in what our industry should be and what it could look like. Um, and it's really disappointing that, that they're not, you know, I think in your, in your write up, you kind of said like, I wish that I could say I'm never going to go again, but there's such a big, there's such a big industry space and that's disheartening. And I think that, I don't know, 
It's bleak. Shit's bleak. <laughs> it's it's bleak. I also come from like a, a games journo background just a little. Uh, I would say that it's similar I'm so to. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, talk about bleak. Everyone knows that E3 is awful. Everyone knows that uh, women and femmes, etc., get harassed constantly at E3. We know E3 is a mess, but like, what are you gonna do? Not go to E3? Like, it's it's kind of what you have to do if you have a job here. And I have been in this industry since at least 2016, arguably longer. This is my life. This is my livelihood, and and also importantly. It's what I care about so deeply. This is art to me. This is expression to me. I am somebody who believes that art is why we stay afloat when the world hates us the way that it does and consistently shows that it does, or at least the systems. I I shouldn't say the world. I don't believe it's the world. I think that it is the systems that we have uh, allowed to be put in place. Um, It's it's vital. It's vital for us to survive through art and i i saw beautiful things at podcast movement i i went to a session on how to lead a small company with empathy first that talked about what you do when everyone on your team is struggling for different reasons that emphasized the the importance of humanizing your employees as well as your freelancers and gave concrete examples of how and why I was moved. I was moved by this talk. I teared up several times. I can't get that anywhere else. Nothing else has the foothold in the podcasting industry in conferences like Podcast Movement does. And I also have very few opportunities to see my friends making beautiful art that moves me in person. And I do think that there is a lot gained from that. I'll probably keep going to podcast movement. I I might even go to Evolutions, the secondary littler conference that's more granular and more focused on professionals versus hobbyists, because I am. I hate that. I hate it. But it's it's the the truth. And if nothing else, uh, at least they're not going to take my honesty from me. Caitlin, I am ready to cancel some shit. Like, the cancel daddy is ready to go. Can I cancel roaches? Yes, but that has um that has a lot of context. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we should cancel roaches. Um, so what do we have today for our out of context cancellations? Emails you're waiting for getting stuck in your spam folder. Yeah, that's really frustrating when that happens. Um, the listener was specifically it was a Steam Deck email. Do you know? Oh Steam yeah, Deck? I know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. Please tell me. I need the context. Do you know what a Steam Deck is? I have no idea. So it's like a handheld gaming console mm. um, that you can play computer games on. So, um, like you know how. Uh, Nintendo has the Switch and you can play the Nintendo games like anywhere you go. Yeah. Um, This company, I think it's Valve that makes it. uh, They also run the service Steam, which is where most games are sold these days. Um, And you can get a Steam Deck, which is like a handheld console that can play a bunch of different computer games um, anywhere you want to go. 
Cool. But they're extremely limited. So you Ooh. have to like put your name in and wait on a waiting list. And then you have like a window uh, to act to reserve yours when you when your name comes up on the waiting list. I hope that your next Steam Deck email doesn't get caught in this spam filter. Seriously, it's devastating. Uh, going to cancel some student debt. I feel like that's an evergreen one. Yeah, I mean, Joe Biden did a little bit of that recently. You know, a little dark Brandon action. A L- little bit, a little bit. We can, we, can, we can up the student debt cancellation, though, I feel like. <laughs> I feel like society can, can you know, we, we can do that. One of our listeners wants to cancel Larry Summers. Who's Larry Summers? He's like a guy. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's cancel him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're also going to cancel joint pain and anemia. Both are not fun. Mm -mm. No, just want everyone to feel good. That's what we want. How about we cancel getting sick on vacation? Speaking of wanting everyone to feel good. <laughs> oh, getting sick when you're on vacation is the worst. <laughs> Gonna cancel some some homework. I feel like, you know, it's September. It's the right time of year to start canceling homework again. Well, and they they give they give the youth too much homework. I like I know when that when I was a kid, I had homework mm-hmm. for like hours like I was up like all night all the time like doing homework because I was given so much homework and I know that that hasn't stopped and it's just like I don't know training us to be workaholics like (laughs) it's bad (laughs) would it surprise you to learn that I never did my homework honestly that's the way to go I mean I did all my papers because I liked writing but Uh like math homework no (laughs) Oh my god, math homework was the worst. You you made the right call. <laughs> like, what are we using math for now? Are you using math for anything? Uh, just to calculate our Patreon earnings. www.patreon.com slash cancel me daddy. Yeah, I mean, sometimes with like, I guess my like taxes or think, you know, some like money stuff, whatever. But like, it's not that much, and it's usually, like, really simple math, so I don't know why I needed to learn algebra, but <laughs> I'm sorry for any any math people who are listening who, who I, you can cancel us. It's fine. How about uh, next to cancel nonstop political fundraising texts and emails, especially the ones that dead name trans people? Yeah. Yep. Those uh, emails are, are no fun. They're so spammy. And and not a good time. And being being dead named when you log into your emails, uh, just thumbs down, thumbs down. Um, we're also going to cancel union busting by school districts and the systemic neglect of the school system. Hundred percent on board with that. Both my parents were union teachers for years and years, and never going to turn my back on that. <laughs> Oh, okay. Speaking of teachers, let's cancel demonizing teachers who respect students' names and pronouns. Oof. Kids are there to learn. You can't learn if you're being harassed by your own teacher. So let's cancel also wage theft and overtime exemption misclassification. People need to get paid for their work and fairly. Oh, oh, can I do this last one? Can I do this last one? Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
um, cancel people who have the Slack notifications out on their phone loud enough to make everyone in the coffee shop check their phones. Like, like, I'm sorry, nothing, nothing is more like activating to me than like hearing that Slack sound. It's truly like the worst. Um, I have actually like turned it off my computer and my phone. I never hear it for myself anymore because I had like this Pavlovian like dog response to it. Whereas like I heard it, I was like, gotta check what's going on. Gotta work. Gotta like, like it just like, it's such a stressful sound and no one needs to be like, have it audibly like playing in, in a coffee shop or in any kind of public space. I'm with you on that. And if you want to submit to Out of Context Cancellation, you can uh, support our show on Patreon. That's the $5 a month level, but there are also lower levels like $1 and $3 to just tip us and help keep our show going. You can join and learn more about other perks at patreon.com slash cancelmedaddy. Like getting episodes early or being included in the credits. Today's show was made by me, Oliver Ash Klein, and my fabulous co-host, Caitlin Burns. Daniel Petersmith made our theme song and Eden MW designed our graphics. Our show is made possible by the incredible cancelers supporting our work, especially the member of our Cancelor Hall of Fame with the great power to cancel all enemies, Mac. We appreciate your support. Happy canceling. Mm.